on this episode of Real Life Real Equity. We want to be able to pay the minimum penalty, if you will, because taxes over the over your lifetime, taxes will likely be the biggest expense that you have. Welcome to Real Life Real Equity Podcast with your host, Justin and Keisha Brooks. Hey, welcome to the show. Our goal is to share with you real life examples of entrepreneurs who are winning in both life and business. As real estate investors, our mission is to model, educate, and inspire you to act by sharing ease to implement tools, ideas, and information to add more worth to your net worth, more cash to your cash flow, helping you achieve your goals in less time. Welcome to the show. All right, all right. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are excited about our guest today. He is all things taxes. He is an attorney. He's a tax specialist. You don't get that very often. So <laughs> I'm super excited because as real estate investors, we know that it's all about cash flow, controlling cash flow, and taxes. Yes. So with that being said, welcome to the show, Mr. Alan Woodward. Welcome to the show, my friend. Good day, Justin. Good day, Keisha. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yes. Thanks for being with us today. <laughs> yeah. So let's go into, you know, this is going to be a different episode, everybody. This is going to be a lot of information. This is going to be information heavy because a lot of our audience wants to know about taxes, whether that's um, real estate investor tax, entrepreneur tax, uh, you have a special treat for us at the end. So if you all are listening, wait till the end. He's going to explain this tax credit that, and it's a tax credit. So that's, that's something we should start off with, the difference between tax credit and, and a tax deduction. But he's got this tax credit uh, benefit that I'm excited to share with everybody. He shared with me. And I said, oh, man, you just got to come on the show and, and explain it. So talk to us a little bit about your background first as an entrepreneur, you run your own law firm, you run your own tax planning business. Talk to us a little bit about that. Sure. Thank you. So, yes, I'm based in Houston, Texas. I'm an okay. attorney by background. So we have a, a background in, in tax. You know, I've spent time uh, with the big force, KPMG. I've spent time working on the R&D tax credit uh, here in Texas. And I have the pleasure of, of working with Engineered Tax Services, which uh provides cost segregation, research and development, as well as real estate and other tax benefits. I'm a consultant there. Uh, that is my full-time occupation, uh, working as a consultant there. I had the pleasure of meeting uh, Justin at a local networking event where I was uh, had a chance to talk about some of the benefits of engineering tax services. And he and I have just kind of gotten together and, and, and talked about how we can kind of educate the United States and the people here, landowners, property owners, and anyone who's this Sub subject to taxes, which should be all of us. That's so right. let's just talk about how we can all feel better at the end of that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That is right. You are absolutely correct. So we're going to, you know, we're going to go into taxes, but I, you know, we like to really get into the background of you as a person. So Tom, you're not originally from Texas. I only know that because we've spent quite a few conversations on the phone. Talk to us about where you're from. What are some of the inspirations that got you into law? And then uh, ultimately down to, to Houston, where you are now uh, running a tax preparation business and consulting on uh, all things tax? Sure, great question. So I'm originally born and raised in Long Island, New York. 
Uh, I attended Ooh. Hampton University. Yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry, East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> she's from Boston, so she's saying woohoo to New York. So I, just, I thought that was like the right The whole thing. New England. I love okay. the East Coast. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, 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 I have to tell you, after I left Hampton University, I got an MBA. Uh, and life took me up to uh, Massachusetts, actually. So I did spend some time. Yes, I spent some time living uh, in Lawrence, just outside of Andover, Massachusetts, um, where I was mentored by Dean Michael Elcoin. He is one of the premier trial advocates in the United States of America. He's the dean of the Massachusetts School of Law. And Dean Coyne worked very closely with me and mentored me uh, into determining that I wanted to be a trial attorney. Wow. I really wasn't sure what type of attorney I wanted to be. I got my MBA and, and, and Dean Coyne took a personal interest in me. And as a result, I decided I wanted to be a trial attorney. Nevertheless, I went ahead and, and did a, a, a clerkship, a federal clerkship down in the United States Virgin Islands. Virgin and I had a, wow. That's, yes, uh, I did. That's some, yes. that's some duty. I, that, that must have been tough. Yeah. I did. I was working in St. Croix. Uh, you know, funny thing is I had, I had a beautiful view of Buck Island outside of my window oh, all wow. the time. One of the most beautiful uh, beaches in America. But the irony is, as life kind of went on, you know, they had some natural disasters down there. Mm-hmm. And their economy really did suffer a bit of a hit. And um, I was actually approaching some questions, talking about some of the economic redevelopment that would be done down there and, and the tax implications and the like. And that kind of opened me up to pursuing tax a little bit. There was some research that I had to do on some of those issues and it seemed a little interesting. And I had a, a girlfriend who's now my wife who lived in Houston. So I had some conversations with some folks in Texas, ironically, about some of the tax implications and what would happen in terms of reestablishing the economy down there. And we had some conversations and one thing led to another. And it was a conversation like, listen, if you decide you want to come to Houston, look us up. You know, we've got an opportunity for you here. We like the way you, you perform your analyses. And I just fell into tax. Wow. That's just how I fell into it. Wow. Uh, from, yeah, yeah, yeah. And from there, I started off working in, in Houston in the tax arena. And then I went to uh, Los Angeles to work with KPMG. Oh. And uh, then I came on back to Houston where I have a family now. Wow. Nice. So I want to, I can't go on without first acknowledging HBCU Hampton University, right? Absolutely. Like, These talk us, I mean, talk to us because we had a, uh, we had Dr. Eric Tate on the show, and uh, whenever I get a HBCU alumni, I always want to make sure we hit on the impact that that university had on you. We talked about it with Morehouse. We talked about how Robert F. Smith had wiped away all the student loans of that graduating class that year. Talk to us about the impact that Hampton University has had on you, your career, your trajectory, what that actually meant to you as a businessman now. Absolutely. First and foremost, I have to give an honor to God. You know, that plug is always necessary. That's right. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, God ordered my steps and allowed me to go to Hampton University. So I thank him for directing my path there. Not only did he direct me to Hampton University, but he directed me there at a time when Dr. William R. Harvey is the leader of Hampton University. Dr. Uh-huh. Jerome H. Holland was the leader before Dr. Harvey. He was the president. We've had 40 years of service for Dr. Harvey. During that time, we've grown to have the largest endowment of any HBCU. More than that, when we graduate, we graduate with a degree of confidence. We know uh, that we've been well-trained. We know that we're professionals when we go into the real world. We go into the real world with confidence. And one of the interesting things about me is that I graduated from college uh, just about the time, just shortly after Arthur Anderson uh, had their crash. So I was a business major. Nevertheless, when I graduated from college, I still had a job and a lot of my classmates still had jobs, but there were some of us that graduated feeling good about having an opportunity to go to Arthur Anderson. And you can imagine 
you, you select to go to Arthur Anderson when you graduate because that's a prestigious firm and the like. So just remembering some of my friends who are in that scenario and were able to rebound very quickly because not only did our school of business take care of us under the leadership of Dr. Sid Cradle, but our degree was had such value and, the, and, and companies and employers knew the value of what they were getting. So we were all able to rebound and keep going, keep up pace. But Hampton University nevertheless has an incredible alumni network and an incredible alumni base. We take care of each other. We love each other. We are a family. And that's why we are the real HU. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. <laughs> and I just have to highlight a few things that you just said with that. One is the confidence, the training that you receive when you go to such a prestigious college and the leadership. Can you give us some tips on that? What is it that they provide that has helped you become the person that you are today? Absolutely. As I mentioned, an education for life, right? It starts off with we have a university one-on-one class where we learn about the history of the university, how General Samuel Chapman Armstrong started Hampton University, uh, so on and so forth about the, the, the our history, how it includes Native Americans, not just uh, African Americans or former mm. slaves. Then we learn about our, our most prestigious alumni, uh, Booker Teleferro Washington, who went ahead and founded Tuskegee University down in Alabama, right? Wow. So we, we know what our history is. We know the connections. And then we know about what the present day people are doing. You know, not just Spencer Christian, I think, was one of the biggest alumni when I was there. He was a weatherman. But but I look today at my classmates, you know, uh, DJ Baby Drew, who's a Grammy winning DJ who was uh, on Love and Hip Hop recently. But he was Chris Brown's DJ. Right. Wow. Um, you know, that, that, that's a classmate of mine. Uh, DJ Envy graduated a few years earlier. And I'm sure if you wow. ever see The Breakfast. Yes, that's right. If you see mm-hmm. The Breakfast Club, you'll see that Envy has Hampton University in his back. In yeah. his background, right? So we're very, very proud of the work that we're doing. Another classmate of mine, Navarro Gray, he was on Love and Hip Hop two seasons ago as an attorney uh, uh, representing clients on the show. Wow. So, so we, but, but everyone's a phone call away, right? And with right. Facebook now, I mean, you go on Facebook, you see how everyone's doing, you chit chat, and you're rooting for, we're rooting for each other. We're so happy to see what everyone else is doing. That's the value, that's the strength of an HBCU, and that's the strength of a Hampton University. I mean, as I mentioned, it's an education for life. So whenever one of us is doing something, all we want to do is encourage, help, and ensure that we're continuing to build our legacy. Wow. That's awesome. Extremely impactful uh, education, you know, just so many different things, but we came here to talk about tax. We wanted to make sure we highlighted your background. We definitely want to make sure we talked about Hampton University because we're big fans of HBCUs, even though I didn't have the privilege to go to one. Actually, my little brother is uh, about to be uh, with Bowie State, so super proud of him. Yeah, so big fans. But anyway, let's talk a little bit about taxes. So specifically from some of the things that we as entrepreneurs don't even know that we don't know. So talk to us about some of the foundations, tax deductions versus a tax credit. How can we create these tax deductions? How can we do it legally? How can we create tax credits? Don't give away the secret, though. We're going to wait for that. But yeah, talk to us a little bit about taxes. Sure. So first of all, taxes, we have a progressive tax system in the United States, which basically means that the more that you earn, the more that you have to pay. Yeah. Which is why we have different tax brackets, which are, you know, identified by different tax rates, right? So what we have to do in this country as individual taxpayers is we have to figure out how to get into the lowest tax bracket possible. So while we may still make a lot of money or try to make as much money as we can, we want to be able to 
pay the minimum penalty, if you will, because taxes over the over your lifetime, taxes will likely be the biggest expense that you have. Wow. And if you think you're going to be paying taxes every year on every dollar that you make, right? Yeah. I mean, you yeah. cannot you cannot make money in this country without paying taxes. And quite frankly, the government's trying to make it so that you shouldn't be making money in other countries, but living here without paying taxes, which is what a lot of people are trying to do. Apple, for example. And we could talk about what happened with Apple uh, later on, but a little plug for everyone is to go ahead and take a look at that Apple litigation in terms of what happened with them in terms of paying their taxes, the amount of the mm. debt, and how they been able to keep that in court and litigation and like so that's a really good case study on on the avoidance of taxes what could happen either good or bad wow and so before we continue we'll make sure we put that on the newsletter okay so the apple litigation alan's going to send that to us we're going to put it in the newsletter if you're not subscribed to the newsletter definitely go do that now realliferalequity.com forward slash newsletter that's realliferalequity.com forward slash newsletter we're going to include the Apple litigation. We're going to include our little secret that we're <laughs> waiting to the end of the show. I'm super excited. You can tell. But, uh, we're waiting to the end of the show to talk about, and we're going to include uh, quite a few details from the show. So again, realliferequity.com forward slash newsletter. Go ahead, Alan. So what happens is we now we've established that we have to pay taxes, right? And I just kind of gave a little plug saying that for every iPhone that's made or manufactured, right, Apple should be paying taxes, right? Theoretically. Right. Theoretically. <laughs> yes. Or for the revenue they make off of the iPhones. But right. nevertheless, what you want to do is you want to get to a lower tax bracket. The two principal ways to do that are either through credits or deductions. Now, let's just say that you're making money. Anyone who makes money and pays taxes has to have something called taxable liability. Right. So what your tax and you also have something called your taxable income. Those are two separate theories. Taxable income is the income that you make that is subject to taxes, whereas taxable liability equals the amount of tax that you owe. After credits and or deductions. So what credits and or deductions do are they lower your taxable income or taxable liability tax uh, deductions, lower your taxable income credits, lower your taxable liability. Okay. All right. So let's just say you, we make, let's stick away from the iPhones, right? Let's just say you make a pen. Okay. <laughs> okay. You manufacture a pen. You, you want to get to the next level. You want to make a million dollars. It's a great <laughs> idea to make a pen, right? So let's just say you, you, you make this, this pen and you have employees, you have a company, so on and so forth. You finish making this pen. It's the best pen ever. So now you have to pay taxes. You have a taxable, you've you made a, a million dollars uh, pre-tax, right? And you have to pay, let's just say, $300,000 in taxes. Let's just say 30%. So now that you have to pay $300,000 in taxes, you want to say, oh, no, but next year, how am I going to be able to make as much money, have enough money for cost of goods sold, so on and so forth, invest in property or real estate if, you know, roughly a little bit more than a third of my income is going to uh, taxes? So you have to lower your your taxable income in order to be able, I'm sorry, taxable liability so that you can sustain your, your business and stay afloat. So first thing you want to do is a deduction, right? Okay. So deductions reduce your taxable income. So, you know, there, there are um, domestic production activities deductions, for example. There are several business credit deductions. And anyone who wants to know what they are can look at the form 3800 30, of their uh, 1120 if they're filing 1120. But you can look at the, uh, <laughs> the business form. Alan, I think you're probably I'm the only, only one who like is like knows the forms by heart. I yeah. just, I'm sitting here like, I'm writing it down, but I'm like, hey, am I really going to look at it? Am I the only one that so, really wanted to do like the Dr. Evil $1 million? 
No, well, you, know, you know what? I have to be honest with you. The information is there, right? Yes. And, yes, and I think that it's important to, to know that it exists, yes. but it's more important to know someone who is able to carefully and artistically and that evaluate your tax scenario so it's put you right. in the best position. Right. So yes. what happens is you look at your tax, your tax return and all of the items are right there. It says, are you claiming this? Are you claiming that? It just seems like a million pages that you have to go through to find the information. Right. Well, if you open up a tax return in PDF format and you press control F to find something and you type in a phrase, you may find deductions. Like you type in the word deduction, you may just see different types of deductions. Hmm. Now that is a hack that I never thought of. As simple as that may have sound. I mean, yeah. like, oh my God. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sure. So, so the long and short of it are, so we talked about deductions, right? Deductions lower your uh, taxable income. So now that you've gone from, let's just say, making a million dollars because you've, added, you've taken deductions and put them on what you made, you lower it down to say $600,000. Okay. So now your taxable liabilities, just take a third of that, is $200,000 instead of $300,000. Yes. So now you have to identify credits. So you apply credits to your taxable liability, and then the overall number is what you have to finally pay. So let's just say you find uh, $200,000 in credits, right? So now maybe you only have to pay $100,000 in taxes. You know, and a credit that I specialize in and that, that um, Engineer Tax Services provides, if I can be so bold to give the plug, it's called the Research and Development Tax Credit. So, for example, um, there are two primary ways that, yes, so there are two primary ways that wealth is generated in this country, right? Either A, it's inherited or B, it's created, right? Mm, yeah. And then when we, talk about the, when we talk about the methods that wealth is created, you look at certain industries such as technology, construction, manufacturing, right? right. So the Research and Development Tax Credit, and I chose to talk about this product because it, it, it's applicable to, to so many people that are trying to make money on, a, on, on more than a small scale, if you will. Yes. Is that it rewards any individual who takes a technological approach to problem solving. Okay, mm. so I gave you a com uh, uh, an example before about a pen. Something as simple as I want to make a pen. You can claim the research and development tax credit for a pen, making a pen. Mm. Now, in most people's minds, they say, "Well, I would think that the the R and D tax credit must be for building rocket ships or or something like that, specialized space fuel." No, it's not lab coats and and, and science necessarily. It's anything that takes a technological approach to problem solving. Because imagine the first person who made the pen made the pen. Before he made right. the pen, there was no pen. Right. Maybe he had to take the bow and arrow and shoot a, a pigeon and take a feather and dip it in ink or the pigeon's blood and write, right? Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then he did that after the guy who made the bow and arrow got the R&D tax credit for making the bow and arrow, right? <laughs> so, so, if, so if you really think about it, anything, making ice cream, you can claim the R&D wow. tax credit, right? Mm -hmm. And then the R&D tax credit has another interesting element called the payroll tax credit. So anyone who has started a new business or um, who has not uh, had gross receipts for five preceding years can claim a credit, a payroll tax credit to offset their, um, their current credit uh, uh, payroll liability when they claim the R&D tax credit. I'm happy to talk about that um, as well as show uh, taxpayers how to do that. But again, if you're a new business, you know, you're five years or younger, uh, you know, you have to have a certain, you know, amount of gross receipts, which are, which are like, you know, $5 million or less in the year that you're claiming the credit. But if you elect the payroll tax credit, you can use that credit to offset your payroll or what you've paid into your payroll. And that will help your business even more. Wow. Hmm. Well, I mean, That's so some good information just, oh right there. Yeah. <laughs> so what we're in essence talking about is like figuring out ways to get you more money, right? Yeah. Lowering that taxable income and then lowering your taxable liability with credits. Yeah. 
So tax deductions lower your taxable income, which thus lowers your taxable liability. Tax credits lower your taxable liability, which is ultimately what your tax basis is based off of, something like that? Almost. You understand it, but, <laughs> but there's one subtle nuance. So, so deductions lower your taxable liability. There you go. Once you've established what your taxable liability is, Credits can be used. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. See, I said it wrong. <laughs> Deductions <laughs> lower your taxable income, right? Yes. Once your taxable income is established, then you apply credits to lower your taxable liability. So yeah. for everyone who pays a personal tax, right, has to file a 1040. Right now it's tax time, right, for example. Right. Yep. So there's a standard deduction. If you're a single filer, the standard deduction is about $12,400, right? That's just applied. That lowers your income. So if you made, you know, $60,000, you just get to automatically subtract $12,400 by taking the standard deduction. Wow. Then, then what happens is, you know, you may have like an earn uh, a, a child tax credit, right? So if, for every child that you have, you can apply $2,000 uh, <laughs> in credit to what your tax liability is. So that's how it works. Like, what a person. We obviously yeah. have kids. I mean, right. obviously. More than obviously. <laughs> All right. Well, you feel free to call me after this, and I'm happy to continue oh, yeah. to show you how right. we can <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, no, I, I really do appreciate the, the knowledge and the wisdom. It is uh, very, very interesting. I probably will accept. No, probably, not probably. I definitely accept the blame for confusing you because I have no idea how to communicate tax strategy, which is why I haven't studied to become a CPA or, you know, a tax attorney. So we don't get the privilege of talking to a tax attorney on our podcast very often. Yeah. We usually talk to, uh, you know, CPAs and mm -hmm. such or an attorney separately. So this is like the dual threat. Talk to us a little bit about some of the strategies that our entrepreneurs, business owners, you know what, forget it, everyday people, you know, they're making money, they're, they have, you know, a significant tax liability, you know, a lot of our friends were producing $150,000, $200,000 a year, yeah. you know, they're everyday, hardworking people like us, and you know, what are some strategies they could use? Maybe create a business, maybe write off uh, private school, hire, employee, uh, hire the kids as employees. We hear all these things, but we don't actually know what the reality is because everything on the internet is true nowadays, right? I mean, you know, so. <laughs> what's the reality? What's the truth? So the reality is, based on what you said, uh, we're talking to individuals who are paying taxes at a rate of between 24 to 32%. Right. Okay. So if you're paying, if you're making uh, between eighty-four thousand and one hundred and sixty thousand, your tax rate, you're you're being taxed at a rate of twenty-four percent. That's if you're yeah. a single filer, right? Yep. So what we want to do is we want to try to get you somewhere to between ten and twenty-two percent. So people who pay zero taxes, who have zero income, to, to about ten thousand, they're at the ten percent, and the people who are at about thirty-nine thousand to eighty-four thousand pay about twenty-two percent on their taxes. So as you can imagine, right? There's a big difference between 22% and 32%, and the 32% bracket starts at about 160000 okay? Mm -hmm. So that's right within where you're saying. So it's a 10% savings. So how do we get that, that, that tax rate lowered by 10%? Well, let's up it too, because I mean, you know, we're we're saying you know thirty two percent, but I know some people that are above that forty. Uh, isn't it forty, or did it change? Because I know we had the new tax bill coming to play. Sure. Yeah. So, um, with the, with the uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act for twenty nineteen, for example, which is the current year, uh, the highest tax rate is thirty seven percent. 
Okay. Uh, and for a single file, that'd be at about uh, 510,000 or more. And if you're married filing jointly, that'd be about 612,000. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. But, but to answer your question, it's a methodical process. The very first step that you're going to want to do, no matter who you are, is first lower your taxable income. There you go. Okay. Right? Because what's basically happening, right, is at $150,000 and a 24% tax rate, you're multiplying the 24% to get your taxable income. That's what's happening. So how do you get it down from the 24% to the 24%? Hold on, to the hold on, Alan. Just, let, me just, let me just make sure I'm repeating this. I'm understanding this right. So at $150,000, because mm-hmm. I, I didn't understand what you're talking about probably to like a year or two ago. Like it, mm-hmm. it took somebody literally breaking it down for me, Barney style, for me to understand what a taxable income or what is it, a taxable liability would be. So are my tax, what am I supposed to be saying here? What, what I'm going to pay in taxes. Income. Yes. So $150,000 times 24% gets me my taxable, my, what I'm supposed to be paying tax? That's your taxable. So yes, yes. Long and short, yes, that is correct. You actually, so, so what happens is it's a, there's a little bit more to it than that, okay. but for the purposes of this conversation, that's basically it. Wow. That's basically it. Now you have to remember that you have withholdings and you have other things that that's, um, you know, that are, that are pre-tax and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, yes, what happens is you have to apply that rate to what your income is. And that's what your taxable income is, okay. which is why it's not just your regular income, it's your taxable income. So the thing is to lower your taxable income, because the lower your taxable income is, that's when you then get the tax rate applied, right? So... What we're basically saying is if, you, if you're a single filer, if you make $150,000, that hundred and fifty is going to get taxed at a rate of 24%. Okay. Whereas if you're a single filer and you make $80,000, you're going to get taxed at a rate of 22%. Okay. Hmm. So lower money or lower taxable income and lower tax rate. So that's what people say when they mean being a lower tax bracket. Yeah. Because what happens are there are actually brackets that show the amounts that you're going to get paid as well as the percentage of tax rate that's going to be applied. So first, let's get you in that lower tax bracket. Okay. Right. So we do that by lowering your taxable income. Now, for example, if we're talking about entrepreneurs, they all have to typically they have to file a 1040 eventually. You may have a flow through entity. You may have an LLC in terms of where you're putting your businesses so that you as Rockefeller and Carnegie actually both said it, you know, the secret to success is to own nothing but control everything. Mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs will put properties or assets or investments in the names of other entities, LLCs, S-Corps, so on and so forth, because the benefit passes through to them. But it, eventually, the income that's derived from those businesses, properties that are placed on those LLCs and S-Corps, those have to flow through to the individual taxpayer. So eventually you're going to file a 1040. And when you file a 1040, uh, after the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which is the official name for the Donald Trump legislation, uh-huh. what eventually happens is you have to pay taxes on that. And what Donald Trump's uh, legislation did was he increased what's called the standard deduction. So what a standard deduction means is that anyone who files taxes can claim to conduct this deduction. They can use this amount of money to offset their taxable liability. I'm sorry, their taxable income. Okay. So... 12,400 was the the standard deduction that was that was used for single filers. 24,800 is for married filing jointly. So okay. what that does is that's such a big a deduction that a lot of people who itemize are not going to be able to make 12,400 in deduction single filer or 24,000 20, 24, as filing jointly. 
Right. You're just not going to be able to do it. I mean, no matter how many different benefits you get, if you're going to be taking, you know, a flexible, uh, having a flexible spending account or a health savings account, and what those are, are um, those those are those are different benefits that you're paying into those every year. A lot of times they're employer offered, and you're paying into those. And you are not necessarily taxed to what you pay into them. You can take out tax-free or you can invest tax-free because at certain ages you can make withdrawals if you haven't used them. Those are different tools or, or they work kind of like, they can be used as like credits or, or, or deductions actually based on how you use them, whether you use them to benefit if you invest or if you use them to benefit if you take out. Um, and I'm happy to discuss that information with anyone who'd like to get in contact with me. Kind of absolutely, absolutely. And and we're gonna get before this is over. We are definitely putting your contact info out because there's no way that I could possibly explain this the way you can. Mm-hmm. But let me just summarize really quickly. So let's say we had a hundred fifty thousand dollar income because this this is really good. Mm-hmm. We had a hundred fifty thousand dollar income or whatever income. Put four hundred. Put five hundred. Doesn't really matter. But you you first work on getting your deductions in place. Your taxable income. Income. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's just say at 150,000, we had $50,000 in deductions, which is higher than your standard deduction, which was 12,400 or 24,800, right? Mm-hmm. 12,000 yeah. is single, okay. 24 so, is deducted. Yeah, there you great. go. Mm-hmm. So we, we had $50,000 deducted. So now our new taxable income is 100,000. And then we figure out some tax credits like the research and development tax credit, which was by the way, our secret till the end. So <laughs> you just know that you heard the secret. So it's a research and development tax credit we use dollar for dollar to match to lower our taxable liability again, which then reduces what we owe on taxes. And we can take that, whatever tax bracket we're in against that percentage, and that gives us what we owe in taxes, right? Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. That's so, good. Now, that, now, now, you explained it beautifully. Part two, perhaps Justin's gonna gonna host it himself. Right. No way. Now he no will break way. down the numbers. No, 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 no. But I, I figure, you know, if I can understand it, it's it. That means we can. We're pretty well well covered. But you know, we talked a bit about uh, earlier today. We talked about passive and active gains, and this is a huge one for a lot of our investors, the people who. If you have a 401k, I'm sure there's levels of passive gains. When you have active real estate investments, there's active and passive gains. Talk to us about the difference between those different forms of income and how those work with our taxes. Sure, great question. So in terms of income, right, there's basically three different types of income uh, uh, classifications. One is your regular, uh, your regular standard income. The other is passive income. The third is investment income. Okay. okay? So what happens is your earned and in- your regular income or your earned income, if you will, that's taxed at a higher rate. Okay. Whereas passive income and investment income, those are taxed at a lower rate. The reason why is because the government rewards activity that brings money into the government. Mm. I mean, investments, the more you invest, the stronger our stock market is, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you purchase real estate, you know, the taxes have to be paid on it, yes. you know? Yeah. So, so, so strategies, if I recall your question, ways to kind of benefit from passive income and things like that. Let's talk about how we can use credits to apply to, say, um, home ownership. Mm. Okay. So let's say you want to buy a house. Okay. As an investor. 
Okay. And you want to figure out how to lower your overall taxable income. Because remember, no matter what you do as a business, you, you, you create a read or you create a business in order to buy and sell properties and so on and so forth. Remember what I said, that's still going to eventually flow through tax returns to get to your 1040. Right? Yep. Okay. But you want to get credits because credits can be personal. Right. So they, they can offset your personal taxable liability. Hmm. So an example is if you buy property, your property, you're trying to improve it. Let's talk about the energy tax credit for a moment. I'm not talking about the research and development tax credit, but the energy tax credit. Right. Oh, okay. Have yeah. you guys, right. So the energy tax credit is where you can get a benefit. Um, I believe it's up to 22 percent. Don't quote me on that, but I'll have the exact number um, and follow information you can you can reach out, reach out to me for. But I believe you can get up to 22 percent of the investments that you make in energy efficiency in a property in a given year, dollar for dollar credits. Wow. The energy tax credit. So just imagine if you're saying you're going to put some solar panels mm -hmm. on there or one of those uh, energy efficient boilers. And I believe that there's a schedule that has different items that like uh, that show that they qualify for those types of improvements for the energy credit, e efficiency credit, I believe it is, uh, mm -hmm. for the homes. So that is another example of how you can use credits if you are, say, an investment using uh, real estate investments, you know, and you're, you're trying to generate passive income through those. That's another way to be able to, again, have less tax liability. Mm, that's really good. It is. That is really good. So let's, I mean, and, and you know, we could go on talking about taxes for got hours, but before we, <laughs> before we go any further, what, how can people reach you? You have a wealth of information and I'm going to try to ask you another 10 questions in the next 10 minutes, but you know, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I do have a very specific question, but before I get into that specific question, how can people reach you? Sure. So I think the most efficient way is I'm going to give you my Gmail account. Right. Okay. It's my name. It's Alan Woodward at Gmail. I'm sorry. I apologize. Alan Woodward Esquire at Gmail dot com. So okay. if you reach okay. out to Alan Woodward at Gmail dot com, you will not get me because that's not. <laughs> <laughs> it is Alan Woodward Esquire ESQ at Gmail dot com. I'll spell it A-L-L-E-N-W-O-O-D-W-A-R-D-E-S-Q at gmail.com i'm not spelling gmail.com part of okay <laughs> alan woodward esq at gmail.com yes if you want to get a hold of alan you want to learn the specifics to your specific situation get a hold of him he can consult in all 50 states you reach out to me and i will put you in contact with the proper asset at my disposal the primary one of course is engineered tax services there we go okay i'm a yes i'm a proud proud consultant with engineered tax services based out of west palm beach florida okay mm. so it must be nice they'll essentially look yes it is it is beautiful it's <laughs> when i get down there because remember i'm in i'm in houston yeah, but i know but engineered tax services provides a myriad of benefits you know ranging from cost segregation you know if you own a property and you'd like to try to uh, claim advanced depreciation on some of those capital assets that you have you know you can shorten the the life of the depreciation span so you can claim those and get a benefit up front yeah. um We've also got products in the R&D tax credit uh, market. And then again, anyone who's investing in real estate and property, you know, uh, engineer tax services has the ability to be able to help you uh, lower your taxable income or taxable liability, I should say, offset it and do some efficient tax planning. 
Now, just to make sure we are clear, we highly recommend you get a hold of Alan first because he's going to have some direction to give you before, because some people are just that way, go direct to the source, let's go to US Engineering Tax Services and let's just get right to the person. Alan is a professional and although US Engineering Tax Services is a professional company, it is a very smart, smart move as an investor, as an entrepreneur, to put the right team members in place so that when you ask questions of US Engineering Tax Services, Alan can prep you for that. Yeah. So it's, that's a huge benefit that you're going to you're going to miss out on if you go direct to the source. So be sure to get a hold of Alan, Alan Woodward, ESQ at gmail.com. He'll be able to get you the right information, be able to get you the right direction, be able to consult with you again, all 50 states. If you're in Texas, he is licensed in Texas. He can do your tax prep services as well. So uh, definitely want to make sure we hit that in. Let me ask you this really quickly. How we talk about a lot about real estate and I, I want to learn this from my own personal gratification when it comes to passive income, uh, active losses, passive losses, how can one depreciate passive income with active losses? Does that make sense? And then like kind of define what that means or am I totally botching this thing? I don't think so. I don't think you're botching it. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you an illustration of something and I'm going to, and I'm going to answer your question. So we'll okay. do it in two parts. There we go. I'll answer your question in the form of talking about how to offset capital gains with capital losses. I'm not okay. sure if that's kind of what you're asking. Um, I think maybe, I don't know. Okay. We're going to find out. <laughs> but, 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 um, but, it, but it is a powerful uh, tool. You know, it's a powerful tax savings maneuver. I should say uh, if in fact you're sitting on um uh, on capital gains and you have some unrealized capital losses, right? Mm. So this, this is how it works. You buy a property okay. at $100,000. Yep. You sell the property at $150,000. Okay. So the property is not your, it's not your, um, your standard income. It's an investment property or so on and so forth. So you're using this to have alternative means of income. Yep. So okay. you just, I said you sold it at 150, right? Yep. So yes. you made $50,000 benefit. So yep. the, the benefit that you made is the capital gains. Okay. Okay. That, that's, that's in essence what it is. So what happens is there are times when you could also have what's called capital losses. Let's okay. say you, okay. let's say you, you spend a uh, hundred thousand dollars in the property. Then you spend $50,000 on improvements, put the property on the market and you can only sell the property for uh, 130. So you have like a $20,000 loss, right? With the amount that you paid for it plus the improvements. Right, so that's right. kind of how a capital loss would be. So what happens is there are techniques whereby you can offset your capital gains with your capital losses, right? So mm -hmm. on the one hand, where you may have made $50,000 in uh, capital gains with property A, where you paid $100,000, made a $50,000 windfall, and property B, where you had a $20,000 loss, there may be ways where you can use that $20,000 loss to offset the $30,000 gain that you made on property A. Okay. So that's a high level overview kind of, of how you can use, you know, offset capital gains with capital losses. What about, what about passive, uh, you know, income, passive losses, depreciation? We hear a lot about that in, in real estate. How do you buy a property you depreciate with the uh, rapid depreciation that you use to call segregation analysis? Again, another service that you help provide, but, through the cost segregation, the bonus depreciation that you get from year one, 
We hear a lot about that. So if I was to go out and buy a property to try to reduce that $50,000 capital gains, can you do that with depreciation? That's a good question. So that's a two part question. Yes, you can use depreciation uh, to lower your capital gains. Uh, okay. That can, that can be applied. So, so what you're gonna, what you're trying to do is, like when we talk about cost segregation, which I mentioned before, how it kind of works yep. mechanically, right? Uh, cost, let's just say you buy a building, you have a piece of equipment in there, in that building where it has a, a, a useful life of say 20 years, right? So what happens are there are different depreciation schedules which tell you exactly what the useful life of specific equipment is. But rather than depreciating that product over 20 years, there are ways that you can depreciate that product uh, immediately. You can kind of, uh, I don't want to use the word amortize, but you can determine what the depreciation schedule would be uh, over a certain period of time. And you can, sh you can apply uh, the full depreciable amount over a shortened period of time. However, of course, you do have to qualify. Um, there are certain requirements for cost segregation, um, which again, whenever someone gives us a call, reaches out, we do a full analysis whereby we ask you about the type of structure, different things within the structure. And um, then we do an analysis and our team goes in to see exactly how um, we can identify that benefit for you. Wow. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I could, again, talk for hours because this is such powerful information. This is such relevant information. We're business owners. We're obviously, we are, um, we're parents. So, you know, Keisha stepped away, had to deal with something with our kids. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, but this is reality. This is real life real equity. You know, we're all about reality. And what we're talking about today affects everyone. Taxes affects everyone from zero all the way through one, what is the richest man in the world? What is it? Uh, 112 billion, I think, is what Bill Gates is at now. And I think Warren, or not Warren, uh, Jeff, Jeff Bezos, Bezos is like 111 or something like that. Yeah, he's not. Because he's, you know, keeping count. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, you, watch, you watch people that are, that are really succeeding at a really high level so that you can model and imitate some of the things that they're doing that are just working. But right. anyway, that's neither here nor there. That's for another episode. Here's the deal. Uh, we want to say thank you so much, Alan, for coming on the show, teaching everyone about just the different tax benefits, the tax deductions, tax credits. Again, if you want to get a hold of Alan, Alan Woodward, ESQ at gmail.com uh, for all your tax information. He is definitely someone I would reach out to, whether you're a real estate investor, whether you're a entrepreneur, whether you're just a regular guy. All my friends in Texas, you know, now you got a guy who's licensed and can help you with some of your tax prep services in Texas too. So right, um, right. definitely recommend them from, you know, what we've heard today. I just, I don't know if I can, I can highly recommend them enough. Well, on top of that, all of the information that he shared with us, gave to us today, as Justin mentioned, is going to be in the newsletter. It was a lot of information. Yes, this is was. that time of year when you're trying to figure out who is going to help you with your taxes, I would highly recommend just for the sake of this particular episode with Alan to make sure you subscribe to the newsletter because we'll have all the links, the information there that you can easily access. That's right. That's right. So with that being said, Alan, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being on the show. And, you know, we'll see you again, I'm sure, because we are definitely going to need a part two on this one. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate the opportunity to, to speak to you all. Thank you for giving me a chance to talk about my beloved alma mater, Hampton University as well. Be yes. real, HU. Thank you for listening to Real Life Real Equity Podcast. 
If you would like to ask the hosts a question or be exposed to our podcast audience, visit our website at realliferealequity.com and submit a request. Again, that's realliferealequity.com or send us an email at info at realliferealequity.com. Again, that's info at realliferealequity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on Real Life Real Equity Podcast.